principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all uh, perseverance, perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So thus far, we have covered, and if they'll put the picture of the Roman soldier up there, we have covered... I'll I'll give them a moment to get that up there. Have a little bit different picture for you today. But we have the belt of truth. So you can see there we've talked about the belt of truth. Okay. And then the breastplate of righteousness. We talked about that. Gave a whole session to the belt of truth. Whole session to the breastplate of righteousness. And then the shoes of peace. We talked about those. A whole session. The shield of faith. We talked a whole session on that. The helmet of salvation. A whole session on that. The sword of the spirit, we covered that last week, okay? So I'll not take the time to review all of that. But if you add those up, there's six of them that we've we've covered. And uh, Paul said, put on the whole, and you can leave that picture up there. Paul said, put on the whole armor of God. And of course, Paul compared the armor of God to the Roman soldier's armor. And the Roman soldier had seven pieces of weaponry. But uh, notice we've covered six, okay? I just listed them for you. But, uh, but the Roman soldier had seven pieces of, of weaponry. And uh, it's interesting, Paul, in the list we read here in Ephesians 6, he listed six of the weapons particularly by name. Yet, as we said, the Roman soldier had seven. It's interesting, you know, Paul talks about taking the whole armor of God. It's interesting, seven is God's number of completion or wholeness. So it makes uh, good sense that his armor would have seven pieces to it. Um, So you might be asking, well, where is that, that seventh piece? Well, Paul uh, didn't list it by name. But it's found in in verse 18. and, and, And this is new... This week, this picture is different. See that? Looks, it looks like a spear, but actually it's called a lance. L-A-N-C-E. It's called a lance. And uh, this piece of weaponry, Paul didn't list it by name, but he did list it. We'll, we'll look at that in just a moment. He didn't list it by name, but he talked about it. And... Uh, you need to realize the Roman soldier used different kinds of lances, different kinds. Now here, you see him with this lance here. It's called a lance. I, I, it looks like a spear to me, but it's a lance. Okay. And, uh, but the Roman soldier used different kinds. And that's what you, if you're taking notes, different kinds of lances. So here's one kind of lance that he used. But he would have different kinds of lances. And in fact, we have a picture, I think, of the different kinds. 
And this is just one picture. You see there's these different kinds. There's one there. There's, I guess that's one there and another one up there. Just different, different kinds. Notice they're different sizes, different shapes. And, and, and when you look at that picture, I don't want you to think that those were the only ones he had available to him. Um, they were uh, all kinds of shapes and sizes. There was one that I saw that was uh, probably as, uh, as big as, I mean, maybe six, six, eight foot long that he would, that he would carry. And just very, very large, very big. And they varied in size, shape, and length. Uh, long ones, short ones, middle-sized ones. And it's interesting, each of these lances were used, now listen carefully, each of these lances were used for specific kinds of battles. So it depended on what enemy the soldier was facing as to which kind of lance he would take. And the soldier had to be strategic as to knowing what kind of battle he would be fighting and knowing which lance or lances to use because in fights sometimes they would use more than one. They wouldn't just take one. They'd, they would have several, okay? So having said that, let's look at Ephesians 6.18. In Ephesians 6.18, they'll put that back up on the screen. That was the last verse. We've read it every week. Now, Paul... The apostle did not list, did not list the lances like he talked about, you know, he talked about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. He didn't mention lances, but, but yet it's there in, in, in Ephesians 6.18. Notice when it says there, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And then you can read on the rest of the verse. But let's look at the first part of that, that verse. Praying always with all prayer. This, is, this prayer here, prayer, uh, it, it is the lance, the lance. It would have been nice if Paul would have listed and said, you know, using the lances of prayer. He, he, for whatever reason, he didn't do that. But it... it, it, it I'm telling you, it would have been nice if he would have said, you know, using the lances, plural, the lances of prayer. He didn't do it, but he did say this. He said, praying always with all prayer. And that all prayer, when you study into that all prayer in in the Greek language, when you study into that, here's how it really reads. Praying always with all kinds of prayer. Praying always with all kinds of prayer. You see, the soldier didn't have just one kind of lance. He had many kinds of lances. And you see, we do not have one kind of prayer. We have all, there's, there's many different kinds of prayer. And we're going to look at just briefly the different kinds of prayer that uh, we have available to us. Um, so, so anyway, prayer is the seventh and final weapon in the armory of God. Though it's not listed by name, it's, it's right there in verse 18 when Paul says, praying always with all kinds of prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So again, it would have been nice if he would have said, in taking the lances of prayer. He, he didn't do that, but yet if you study the Romans 
Roman soldier's armory, there were seven pieces. And Paul said, take up the whole armor of God. And so if he's comparing the armor of God to the Roman soldier, seven pieces in the Roman soldier's armory, we don't want to stop on six. There's, there's a seventh piece, though not listed by name. Yet what is the seventh piece? It's all kinds of prayer. You see, a lot of people think, a lot of Christians think that there's just one kind of prayer, but there isn't. There's many kinds of prayer, and so that's what we're going to look at today. Now, before we get into that, I believe it is important to have the other six pieces on and functioning The other six, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of spirit. I believe you need to have all of those on and functioning. And we've taught you how to do that over the last many weeks, so I'll not review it here today. But I believe it's important to have all these other pieces on and functioning properly in order to use this final weapon of prayer to its full effectiveness. Now... It's interesting as you look at at Ephesians 6.18, he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Or we could say it this way. Praying always with all kinds of prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Now, uh, when you get into this praying always, as you study into it in the Greek language and, and so forth, it implies praying at every possible moment. Or we could say it another way, always being in an attitude of prayer. So we're supposed to always, as Christians, be in an attitude of prayer. It's like when Paul said to the Thessalonians, he said, pray without ceasing. Well, what does that really mean? It means that we should always be in an attitude, we should always have an attitude of prayerfulness about us. We should always have a, have a sense of being in communication with the Heavenly Father, you see. So having said that, he said, praying always with all kinds of prayer. In the New Testament, there are seven different kinds of prayer that we find. Seven different kinds of prayer that we find. Now, we'll go over these with you here this morning. Now, I can't possibly cover everything that there is to say about prayer in the time that I have, but we'll just briefly look at the seven kinds. And then I'm going to center in on the last two that that we're going to list because they're the most misunderstood. And so the Holy Spirit wants me to take a little time with the last two. But let me just list list these for you. The first kind of prayer, um, and, and, and here's a good illustration for you. Sports. Is there just one sport? How many sports are there? There's bunches of them, right? Bunches of them. So when we say sports, okay, we understand what sports, but then there's many different kinds of sports. There's golf, there's tennis, there's baseball, there's bowling, there's basketball, football, you know, soccer, all kinds. Now, what you also need to realize that when we talk about prayer, yes, prayer, but there's many different kinds of prayer, six really different kinds. Now, here's the thing. With sports, and I've used this illustration before, but you need to hear it again and again because it seems like over 23 years of teaching on this, it seems like people just don't get this as they should. So hopefully you'll get it here today. Do all the rules of every... (laughs) Can we apply... Is there just one one set of rules for all the sports? No. Let me ask you this. Does football have a certain set of rules? 
And you know that it does because you see those referees out there and they're throwing flags and they're calling, you know, fouls and whatnot. Is, is that right? Now, now, golf, if you don't know much about golf, I'll tell you, golf has a certain set of rules. Correct? It, it does. You know, if you hit your ball out of bounds, if you, if you lose your ball, if you, your ball goes in a hazard, what kind of a hazard is it? There's, the rule book on golf is a very, very thick book. A lot, a lot of rules of golf. A lot of rules in football. A lot of rules in basketball. But let me ask you this. What if we took the rules of football and applied them to golf? Huh? You're going to have a mess, aren't you? What if you took the rules of golf and applied them to football? You know, so, I mean, you see how ridiculous that is, do you not? Well, yet, when it comes to prayer, do you realize, and I don't know if you realize this, but you should, that most Christians, most of them, I'd say about 98, 99% of them that I've met in my life, when it comes to the armor of God, they've heard maybe, they maybe, they've heard about the armor of God, but they couldn't list all six pieces or seven pieces and begin to tell you what, how each one works and operates. And the same thing's true with prayer. But you say prayer to a Christian, well, they'll say, well, it's talking to God. And it is. But you need to realize with prayer, there's so much more to it than just talking to God. You need to realize there's certain rules that govern prayer. There's, there's uh, seven different kinds of prayer. That makes sense because seven is God's number of wholeness or completion. Okay. And, and, but, but, you know, if, if you don't realize that the, the different rules that govern the different kinds of prayer, you're going to be unsuccessful in your prayer life. You're going to pray what the Bible calls a miss, you see. And so you need to realize that there's different kinds of prayer. What, what are these pr- Prayers compared to with the Roman soldier, the lances. Realize, say lances. Lances. See, different kinds of lances, different kinds of prayer. So here's, let me give you the list here. First of all, it's known as the prayer of consecration. Consecration. And, and this prayer here is, is found a lot in, in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. It's, it's a prayer committing or dedicating ourselves to the heavenly father's will and service and so people don't really have trouble with that one uh, understanding that committing yourself to the lord jesus prayed to the heavenly father and he said here's an example of a, a prayer of consecration in the garden of gethsemane remember right before he went to the cross he said not my will but thy will be done remember that so, so there's a good example. So consecration, just a prayer where you go before the Heavenly Father, you study this out in the Greek language, it actually, this kind of prayer brings you face to face with God. And you humble yourself and you dedicate yourself. And you tell God from an from a, a, a honest and honorable heart that you're committing and dedicating your life to His will and service. Then the second kind of prayer now, I'm going to go through these first five fairly quickly because I want to take a little more time with the last two. The second kind of prayer is the prayer of supplication. Supplication, it's also known as the prayer of petition. Supplication or petition. And this one here is you're just praying for yourself. Praying for yourself. Did you know there's nothing wrong with praying for yourself? It's just fine to pray for yourself. And when you get into this prayer and you study it out in the, in the New Testament, 
this is a prayer from a position of complete humility, asking the Lord to meet your basic needs. Not N-O-T, capital N-O-T. You study this out in the Greek text. And Greek is what the New Testament was written in. It's been translated, of course, to English. So sometimes you have to go back into the Greek to really get what, what the Holy Spirit was saying. But this prayer of petition, praying for yourself, it, it, it's complete humility, asking God to meet our basic needs, not for, you're not, not, say not, not going in there and asking God, give me a bigger house, give me a, a more expensive car, give me a gold watch, give me a this, give me a that. That's not what this prayer is about. You understand that? This prayer is about Humbly asking God to meet our needs, uh, to sustain us, realizing we can't sustain ourselves. A good example of this is Jesus said, as he was, was teaching on prayer, he said this. He said, give us this day our what? Our daily bread. That's a good example of the prayer of supplication, our petition, asking Praying for yourself. Okay? Asking God to help you. That's a, good, that's a good prayer to pray, isn't it? Now, here's the third kind. It's the prayer of intercession. The prayer of intercession. And that is, if the prayer of supplication was praying for yourself, the prayer of intercession is praying for somebody else. Praying for others. Okay? And so we could take a lot of time, and I, and I have over the many years. I've, we've taken time with each of these. But we're just giving you them very quickly here, the first five of them, very quickly. Intercession, praying for others. Then number four is the prayer of agreement. The prayer of agreement. Now, this is also known as corporate prayer. Corporate prayer. And uh, first of all, we could say this. Jesus said... He said, as he made this statement, he said, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they will ask, it will be done for them of my Father who's in heaven. You remember Jesus saying that? If two of you on earth would agree as touching anything they would ask, anything being in line with the word of God, you need to realize that, that a, a rule of prayer is you need to be praying in line with the Bible. Is that right? And we're not going to cover all the rules of like praying. You need to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Is that right? I mean, there's just there's just so much we, we, we you know. This is not a series on prayer. It's a series on the armor of God. But the seventh piece of, piece of armory is the weapon of prayer. You know, prayer is a weapon. Did you know that? And is it a weapon for us to come against people, or is it a weapon for us to stand against the wiles of the devil? Stand against the wiles of the devil. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's to stand against the wiles of, of the devil. And to keep us close with the Father and communication with him and so forth, you know. But anyway, the prayer of agreement. And you see this prayer of agreement. You see it a lot. You see it a lot in the book of Acts. The book of Acts. You, you remember the early church? They Again and again and again. They would come together in one accord. And they would pray to the Father 
in, 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 that, in that agreement of one accord, they'd be, one accord means agreement, and then you would see God would move as they would, as they would pray. Remember that? You know, we could go in the book of Acts and take hours and show you that. So let's see. How many have we had so far? Let's see if you're paying attention. How many? Four. What was the first one? Consecration. What was the second one? Supplication or petition. What was the third one? Intercession. What was the fourth one? Agreement. Now, here's the fifth one. It's Thanksgiving. Prayer of Thanksgiving. And, and I, I'll give you a scripture. I could give you scriptures for all these. But here's one that came right out of the book of Ephesians one sixteen. Paul says that he did not cease to give thanks for the Ephesians. He did not cease to give thanks. See, he always had it, he always had an attitude of thanksgiving about himself towards the Father. And you, as you study the epistles, the letters of Paul, again and again, he was so thankful for the people that God put in his life and the fellow believers that he had come in contact with and, and people that he was able to lead to the Lord. And as he would write back to these people in these letters, he was so thankful. And here the book of Ephesians, he says, I do not see, he says, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer. So a prayer of thanksgiving. And you see, we should always, and I think you'd agree with me, we should always have an attitude of thankfulness about us. Is that right? Okay, and we should let God know we're thankful, Okay. So, here we have five different kinds of prayer. Now we're going to come to six and seven. And I'm going to take a little more time with these um, because these are the two most misunderstood in all the Bible. The two most misunderstood. So, number six is known as, it's known as the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. And when you say that, that throws people off right there because All prayers need to be done in faith. But what is faith? It's just believing God from your heart, okay? But this one here throws people for a loop. And, and, And people have just never been able to get a hold of this as they should. So I want you to get it this time, okay? I want you to grab a hold of this. We say the prayer of faith, maybe a better way to say it would be the declaration of faith or the statement of faith or the command of faith. That might be a good way to say it, the command of faith. And this one, it's not actually a prayer, but it is a demand. It's not a demand on God. It's a demand on the devil, a demand on sickness, a demand on disease, a demand on a storm that's coming your way to blow your roof off. It's a demand that we put on the, on, on, on the devil or the sickness or the disease or whatever it is in the name of Jesus. And then God backs it up. As long as we're doing it in line with his word. And we're doing it in faith, you see. This one here is very offensive. You know, in in fighting, in a battle, there's offense and there's defense. In sports, there's what? Offense and there's defense. It's like that that shield of faith was a a defensive, right? It was very defensive because those fiery darts are coming. You're defending yourself. But then... There's offensive, like the sword of the spirit, very offensive. And this one here, this prayer of faith or this command of faith, it's very offensive. 
it's a very offensive lance, if you will. It, in that Roman armory, it's a very offensive lance. It works, actually, this one works in conjunction with the sword of the Spirit. Remember, the sword of the Spirit was what? It was the spoken word, wasn't it? And so, this one here, this command of faith, if you will, it, it's, 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 it's like, remember, Jesus said, Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He'll have whatever he says as long as it's in line with the word of God, you see. This, this right here, this one here, this is the sixth, the sixth type of prayer, so misunderstood because you see this one is not, see all these other prayers, the, 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 other, the other seven and actually the first ones, we, the first five we listed, you're going to the Father in the name of Jesus. This one here, you're not going in the, to the Father in the name of Jesus. You're addressing the problem in the name of Jesus. Now, now I've said this for 24 years, and you will be amazed, absolutely amazed, totally amazed when the storm is headed. The, I, I don't mean just a little thunderstorm. I'm talking about a massive tornado that's coming that you know, the channel 2, channel 4, channel 5, they put the bullseye on St. Louis. It's coming our way. You, how many's ever seen them put the bullseye on us? Yes or no? And we've stood here and I'm sure we're I'm not sure, but I'm fairly sure we're not the only hopefully we're not the only church in this area that knows these things. There must be others, certainly there are. But but we've done this many 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 times. Storm was headed our way. And we would speak to the storm in the name of Jesus. Is that right? And we'd see the storm break up before it got here. It would, it would, it would go north. It would go south. Yes or no? But here's the thing. And, you, and I see this again and again and again. And I, I just, I don't know what I have to do to get this through to folk. I'm not necessarily even talking to you. I'm talking about 25, 30 years of this. Of, of telling people this. And here's what will happen. Storms, you know, coming through Springfield. It's headed up through Rolla, headed this way, batting down the hatches. And, 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 you know, there's nothing wrong with having a storm cellar. Is that right? We ought to have good, good homeowner's insurance. Is that right? Yeah. But we also need to understand, first and foremost, some things about authority in the name of Jesus. But here's what people will do. Storm's headed this way. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak to that storm. Now, did you just pray right or wrong? Totally wrong. Absolutely wrong. You'll get no results. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come. Now, who am I talking to? The Father or the storm? Am I talking to the Father? Who am I supposed to be talking to? The storm. Now, did you get, did you get that? Did you or did you not? So, so the so so the storm is headed headed. It's coming through Rolla. F F three tornado headed this way. We've done this. We've done this. I'm not talk, t- talking to you just textbook things. We've done this. We stand here and we say, in the name of Jesus, I speak to that storm. Now I spoke to what the storm in the name of. But when you go, Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak to that storm. It won't work. Did you get what I just said? Did you or did you not? Have people stand here, cancer in their body, 
okay? Seen many people healed of cancer over the years, many. Whatever, the, whatever it is. Have we got them all healed? Nope, I'm in good company. Jesus didn't get them all healed, is that right? Now, he's the healer and he didn't get them all healed. I can't heal anybody. We just heal, people get healed through us in the name of Jesus. The power of God just flows through us. We're just a vessel. He, he's the healer, is that right? Yes or no? So not everybody's gotten it. Why? I, I can't answer those questions. There's various reasons why people don't receive. Various. Okay, I could stand here for hours and talk to you about that. Here's the point for this lesson. They'll stand here with sickness in their body. And I go to lay hands on them. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lay ha- Now, am I praying right or wrong? Absolutely wrong. You'll get no results. Because I'm talking to the Father really asking him to do something about the sickness and he's already done all he's going to do. We have to take our authority, that he's, his authority that he's given us and speak to the sickness in the name of Jesus. Did you get that or not? Did you or not? So if somebody stand up here sick and I go, if, here's, here's a terrible prayer to pray. Ter- you'll get no results. Father, heal this person. You're not going to get any results. He's already done all he's going to do to heal people. Yes or no? When he died on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection, he'd done all he's going to do. Now, he said, when he was raised from the dead, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. He said, now you go, take my authority, lay hands on the sick in my name, lay hands on the sick and cast out devils and so forth. Is that right? So, so when you say, Father, please, oh, heal this. Or Father, in the name of Jesus, I take authority. There, look. These other kinds of prayer we address to the Father humbly in the name of Jesus. This one here, though, this prayer, declaration, or command of faith, you direct it at the mountain, at the problem, at the sickness, at the disease, at the storm. You don't talk to the Father. You talk to the problem in the name of Jesus. Now, did you get that or not? Now, people have said this to me. Well, Pastor Terry, you're just being technical. You're technical. Well, let me ask you this. How important are technicalities? If you go to the bank and you go in there and you don't have the right paperwork, are those nice people at the bank going to give you any money if you don't have every I dotted, every T crossed, if you don't have power of attorney, if you go in there on behalf of somebody else and we're here operating on behalf of Jesus, is that right? Under his authority, if you go into that bank and, and you're going there for somebody else, especially get somebody else's money, and you don't have the proper paperwork, are they going to give you any money? Well, it's all technical. It's just it's technical. Are they going? They want every I dotted and every T. Are you ain't getting no money out of there? Is that yes or no? Is that right, Joe? Am I right? You're, you're in the banking business. I mean, is that right? Tech, yes or no? So the same thing is true when it comes to these rules on prayer, dear friends. And you can see why folks don't get get any more results than they do because they're not operating. They're trying to take the rules of golf and apply them to, to football, so to speak. You know what I mean? So when you have... Look at James 5.14. Look at James 5.14 very quickly. And then we're going to close this session up with with praying in the spirit we'll talk about what that means and we'll close 
James 5.14, is anyone sick among you? Anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save or heal the sick. The Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, they'll be forgiven. See, this is where we get the verse 15, the, the wording, the prayer of faith. But this, as you study into it, it's not asking the Father about it to do anything. It's taking the authority that he's already afforded us through what Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection. How many of you know when Jesus hung on that cross, not only were all the sins of mankind laid on him, but all the sickness and disease were laid on him too. Is that right? So he already bore our sins. He already bore our sickness and carried our disease. Is that right? He's, he's already done all he's going to do about it. He rose from the dead, said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. And then he said, Go in my name and cast out the devil, lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. And this is one of the, as James wrote, the Lord's half-brother here, he said, The prayer of faith will save, or the Greek word will heal, deliver the sick. Can you say amen? And this, this is not a prayer where you're going to the Father. This is where you're making a demand, a declaration. Look at John 15, 7. Go there very quickly. John 15, 7. Jesus said, talking about this, this command of faith. Notice this, John 15, 7. He said, if you abide in me. I tell you, if you just get here what I've been saying in the last few minutes and what I'm going to say, it can change your life completely. John 15, 7. If you abide in me, Jesus speaking here. So if you abide or dwell in me and my words abide or dwell in you, you will ask what you desire. Now, what you desire, that, of course, if you're abiding in him and he's abiding in you, your desires are going to be his. Is that right? Okay, so that's clear enough. But here he says, you will ask. He said, he said if you abide in me, my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. Now that word ask, you see. In the English language, it, apply, it, it implies that we're going to the Father and asking Him to do something. But that's not what that says in the Greek. In the Greek, it reads like this. He said, it says this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will not ask. The word is demand. Realize, say demand. You will demand what you desire and it will be done for you. We could say it this way, God will back it up. That's how that really reads in the, in the Greek. Now, just coming to church to get that is worth, was worth the trip. See, really, this, this verse here has to do with the prayer of binding and loosing. Remember, Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Somebody said, should I loose it or should I bind it? Well, I always tell them this. If, it's, if it needs loose and loose it, if it needs bind and bind it. Can you say amen? Just have to be led by the Spirit. But here's the thing. We, whatever, whatever's coming against us, we stand against it in the name of Jesus and then God will back it up. Did you get that or not? Did you? So let's read John 15, 7 again. If you abide in me, my words abide in you, you will demand whatever you desire. And it's in line with the word of God and it'll be backed up by the heavenly father is really what that verse is saying. Now then, it's interesting. Let's just, let's just, just, Good example here. Let's go to John eleven forty one and let's look at Jesus praying the prayer of thanksgiving. Now, here's the thing. Let's go to John eleven forty one. Now, listen to me. If you're in a battle, if you're in a fight, now, now get a hold of this. If you're in a battle, if you're in a fight, and somebody's coming against you to kill you, and you have several weapons on you, are you limited to using just one of the weapons? Are you going to use all of them if you need to? Yes or no? 
I remember I took a, many, many years ago, I took a, a, a carry and conceal class many years ago, you know, with guns, many years. And I took the class and the instructor came in there and he had a gun on. And he said, you probably think this is the only weapon I have on me. And I looked at him. There was many people in the class. Long story short, he said, what, what if this one... Now, I'm not implying that the armory doesn't work. The armory of God always works if we work it right. But he said, what if this gun doesn't work? What if it jams? And you know what? By the time he got done, he laid like three or four other guns up on the table. And he had some knives on him. They were on him. I didn't even know they was on him. I mean, wrapped around his ankle and... Well, we have to be the same. How many of you know the devil doesn't fight fair? So when he comes at us, we use any of the armory that God has given us to defend ourselves. Is that right? Correct or not? So here's what I'm saying. Whether it's the armory of God or whether it's these lances of prayer, do you think those Roman soldiers, if they're out there with the lances, if they've got five or six of them, and they see all of a sudden the enemies change the tactic, do you think they're going to change the lance, whatever lance they need to win that battle? See, they're strategic. We need to be strategic. That's why you need to understand some things about the armor of God and these lances. You see what I'm saying? And so what I'm trying to say is like in prayer... You're not just always praying just one kind of prayer. Sometimes the prayers will intermingle one with the other. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, just like the Lone Ranger. I mean, he had he had a gun on both sides, did he? Yes or no? How many remembers the Lone Ranger? You know, and if the one on the right didn't work, he had the one on the left. You see what I'm saying? And sometimes he'd use both of them. He'd always shoot, now the ranger never killed anybody. He'd shoot the gun out of the other person's hand. Is that right? But that don't work in the real world, does it? If you don't know who the Lone Ranger is, I, I can't really help you. I, cloud of dust and a hearty high ho silver. Is that right? All right. Now look at Jesus here. There's two kinds of prayer that he uses here. John eleven forty one. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man, Lazarus, was lying. Talking about Lazarus here. He took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. So this is the prayer of, that's not real hard, is it? Prayer of thanksgiving. And notice, learn something from our Lord and Master, the Lord Jesus. He thanked the Father ahead of time. Let's don't always just thank God after he's done something. Let's thank him before and after, what do you say? It's a little little tidbit. That was worth coming to church just to get that. I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cr- now, Jesus cried with a, Lazarus, come forth. Did he ask the Father to raise Lazarus? No, he made a command. He made a demand, didn't he? Yeah, well, that was Jesus. Yeah, I understand that. But he gave us his authority in his name, didn't he? You know Smith Wigglesworth? How many ever heard of him? A great minister of yesteryear. He took the name of Jesus and raised many people from the dead. That man also wouldn't let a newspaper into his house. He said, I don't want lies coming in through my front door. 
I mean, if we want to operate in these things, we're going to have to live holy. Is that right? Walk right? And then, of course, you know the rest of the story. Lazarus came out, didn't he? So what do we see there? A combination of the prayer of thanksgiving and a command of faith. Now, we could go on and on and on. For the sake of time, let's close this series with the last thing I need to talk to you about. The Spirit of God wanted me to, what I just told you, He wanted me to emphasize that. He wants me to emphasize this, and then we'll close. It's praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. You know most Christians don't have a clue. What you I'm talking about, about uh, even, even, even charismatic folk don't, know, don't have a clue. This, what we're going to close with, is probably the most misunderstood type of prayer that there is. And this is even more misunderstood than the declaration of faith. It's praying in the Spirit. Now, notice in Ephesians 6.18, go there again. You need to get this. Ephesians 6.18. It says, praying always with all kinds of prayer and supplication in the... Do you see that? Do you see that or not? In the what? You need to underline that. In the what? Or in the who? I should say in the spirit. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Go to 1 Corinthians 14, 2. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. You got that? You have that. For he who speaks in a what? In a what? Does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, what's those next three words? In the spirit he what? What does it mean to pray in the spirit? It means to, to pray in other tongues. Now let's read this again. Let's take our time. I've got enough time to cover this. Let's get this. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to who? But to who? So we're not speaking to men. We're speaking to who? To God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. You need to understand this. That when you pray in the spirit, it's another way for saying you're praying in other tongues. You're not speaking to men, but to God. Man doesn't understand you. Is that right? And you're speaking mysteries. Did you know that the epistles of the New Testament were written with the assumption that all the believers were baptized in the Holy Spirit? And you see that on the day of Pentecost. Remember on the day of Pentecost, the believers came together and were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to do what? Speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And you can read that in Acts, the second chapter. I won't go through that with you. I don't have time. But you've got a Bible. You can read that. And you see, the devil has fought this, praying in the Spirit. Did you know he's fought this because it's such an awesome, powerful weapon. And the devil has tried to muddy the waters on this subject and he's done a very good job I hate to give the devil credit for anything 
But he has done a very good job of muddying the waters on praying in the Spirit. Did you know that, because uh, I came out of the Baptist church, I'm still a Baptist at heart, I'm a Baptocostal, I'm a Baptist I'm a, that got baptized in the Holy Ghost and became a Pentecostal, but, but the Baptists, because I, I came out of the Baptist church, they're very effective at getting people born of the Spirit, born again. That's what you need to have to go to heaven, say amen. They're real good at that. But they, for the most part, there may be an exception here and there, but for the most part, they don't believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So what have they done? They have just taken a mighty lance, a mighty weapon, and just laid it aside. Said, we're not good. we don't even believe in that. We're not going to use that. I'm not putting them down. I mean, it's sad, isn't it? See, I was in the Baptist church. I was born again. See, people don't, they don't understand. There's a difference between, being, difference between being born of the Spirit and being baptized with the Spirit. See, would you agree there's a difference? See, the Holy Spirit is likened unto water. Our water is likened unto the Holy Spirit. What did I just do? I took a drink of that. Do I have water in me? See, when you receive Jesus as your Savior... You get the water in you, all right? You're born again. But there's an experience subsequent to being born again. Would you say there's a difference between me doing that and then dumping it on my head? There's a big difference. Is there a difference between that and diving in a swimming pool? Well, what I just did here was like being born again, jumping in a swimming pool. See, I'm overwhelmed with the water. People, I, I've talked about this for years, and people, for whatever reason, just can't understand it. I don't know why. Maybe we'll get it today. When you accept Jesus as your Savior, you're born of the Spirit. He's in you. You're going to heaven, period. You all right? But again and again, we see this in the book of Acts. Notice in Acts 1, verses 4 and 5. We see this again and again. Look at this. Acts 1, 4 and 5. Being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Now, these are his disciples. Now, Judas wasn't in this bunch, but these were people that believed on him. And if you go to the book, you don't have to turn there, but go to the book of John. He already breathed on these guys and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you read the book of John, you'll see that. What does that mean? That's when they got born of the Spirit. That's when they got born again. But now... A little bit later, he, there he's assembled. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, the next verse, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Why would he say that to them if, 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 that, if, that, if, if being born again was all there was to it? Why would, why would he say that to them? And then, of course, they waited, and some days later in that upper room, the Holy Ghost fell, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to what? Speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Now, I have to go over that to just lay you a little, 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 little groundwork on it. And you see several instances like this in the book of Acts. Of course, the devil will come in then, and he'll also try to muddy the waters. Have you ever heard this? Tongues have ceased. Have you ever heard that or not? Gone away, done away with. People that, look, I don't have the time. I've got about 10 minutes left. I don't have the time to go through you. Through, but I've done it in the past. Tongues have not ceased. They just haven't. 
He's talking about the gifts of the Spirit there. He talks about knowledge, knowledge vanishing away. He's not talking about knowledge, common knowledge of like knowing who people are. He's talking about the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge. Look, there's going to come a time where those gifts are going to not be needed anymore. The gifts of the Spirit. There's going to come a time when tongues will cease. But if you study your Bible, you'll see that doesn't happen until that which is perfect has come. And that which is perfect is when Jesus comes back. We won't need those gifts anymore. But in the meantime, we need those lances. Can you say amen? I don't have time to go any further than that. Now, today, but, but listen to this. I, I've got to get this in. I'm at the direction of the Holy Spirit. I've got to get this in. The reason, uh, get this, the reason that there's been such a confusion on tongues is because there's a public side to it and there's a private side to it. Did you get what I just said? There's a public side to it and there's a private side to it. And people just have not understood the difference. And, and what happens is, is people try to apply the public side rules to the private side. Then they try to apply the private side to the public side. And you've got yourself a mess. But if you'll study the Bible and, and really be a workman that needs not to be ashamed, it's very simple. And I've got to get this in. I mean, you want me to obey the Holy Ghost, so we're going to go to 1 Corinthians twelve twenty-eight. Look at this. Let's look at the public just, just very briefly here, but you've got to get this, and then we'll close. The public side of tongues. Did you know that very few Christians are used in the public side of tongues? Did you know that? Very few. God has appointed these where? 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 In the, in the, in the, in the, in the, we're talking about in the public assembly, in the church. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administration, varieties of tongues. So the public assembly. Now go to the next verse. Are all apostles? What's the answer? No. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Next next verse. Do all have gifts of healings? No. Nope. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. And then see people right there will say, oh, well, see, there it is. Tongues are done away with. No, that's not what that's. In the public assembly, not everybody is used to give a message in tongues or interpret. Did you get that? Yes or no? They see people that, that want to try to do away with tongues, they'll, they'll, they'll come there and say, well, see, the answer was no, all of them others, so no, do all speak? No, not everybody speaks with tongues. What does that mean? Not everybody in this public assembly here is going to give a message in tongues. Did you get that? Yes or no? Okay. Now, let's, we're talking about the public side of tongues. Now, go to, go to your, right there in chapter 12, go to chapter 14. This is worth a trip here today, believe me. If you want to be effective for the Lord, you need to understand some things about praying in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 27. If anyone speaks in a tongue, now this is talking publicly. If you get the context, this is publicly. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent where? Now, you'd agree with me if there was no interpreter here and somebody had a message in tongues, you wouldn't want to give that message in tongues publicly in a, in a service because it needs to be what? 
interpretive. Is that right? And then it says, let him speak to himself and to God. What does that mean? That means that right there in the service, you can continue praying in tongues to the, to the Heavenly Father. Because you're not speaking to men anyway, you're speaking to God. But you can continue speaking in tongues right there in the, in the public assembly. But if there's no interpreter, then you'd what? Keep silent. Is that, is that easy or is that hard? I think that's pretty easy. The public side of tongues. Okay? You okay? Now, I don't have time to say everything that there is to say about this, but I just, I'm supposed to get that across to you. Maybe it's going to help somebody. Just if nothing else, there's a public side and a what? Now, not everybody's used on the public side. Very few people are. But guess what? Everybody, say everybody. Everybody ought to be speaking in tongues in the private. Oh, oh, I have to say this to you. You need to know this. You need to know this. The Spirit of God wants me to get this across to you. Did you know that when there's a, a message given in tongues publicly, it always needs to be interpreted, and there's only one time it doesn't, is if tongues is being used as a sign. Do you notice on the day of Pentecost, they never, there was no interpretation of those tongues, were there? But you know what? Each person heard the, the disciples speaking in their own language the wonderful works of God. See, the only time tongues doesn't need to be interpreted when there's a public message given is if it's being used as a sign. There was a, this is a true story. There's a man in another town years ago. Uh, he, he, was a, he was like a drunk. He's a mean, mean, mean guy. He came into the church. And when he came in, the pastor was shocked to see this, this, this mean guy come to church. But the pastor was glad that he was there. And so the this choir sang, the pastor preached, it came right down to the end, and right before the end of the service, this little 12-year-old girl gives a message in tongues. The pastor's waiting for the interpretation. He didn't have it himself. He's waiting for the interpretation. No interpretation came. So he said, well, we'll just close up the service. He made the altar call, and this guy, this mean drunk guy, he got up and he, he almost slid into the altar to get saved. The pastor, after the service, as people were leaving, he called the guy aside and he said, why did you come up to get saved? Was it because of the choir singing? Beautiful music? No. Was it because of my good message? No. What was it? He said, that girl that gave that message, he said, now I, I happen to know her. I don't know her well. I just know her, you know, around time. I just know. And what nobody in this town knows and that girl doesn't know is that I was raised on a Choctaw reservation. And he said, I speak perfect Choctaw. And he said, that girl who I know doesn't know Choctaw. Nobody in this town knows Choctaw. She stood up, gave a message in perfect Choctaw. And he, the Holy Ghost called, my, called me by name and said that I've been dealing with you for weeks and months and years to get saved. And this is your last call. This is your last opportunity. If you don't come now to get saved, you're going to die and go to a devil's hell for eternity. And he said, that got my attention. And he came and got saved. Can you say amen? Now, in closing, there's a private side and everybody ought to be speaking in tongues on a private side. Go to 1 Corinthians 14. I'm not boring you, am I? 1 Corinthians 14. 
You know, one reason we don't see more of this in church than what we do is we need to teach on it a little bit more and make people aware of it. You see what I'm saying? 1 Corinthians 14, 18. Now we're going to close with the private side of tongues. Everybody ought to be doing this. Paul says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Did Paul pray in tongues a lot? When you're praying in tongues, you're praying in the Spirit, you see. He said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church. Say that. Say yet in the church. So he, so he said, essentially, he's saying privately, I'm speaking, I'm praying in tongues Pray without ceasing. How can you pray without ceasing? You, you could be praying in tongues almost all the time. Right? It's just under your breath where nobody else hears you. And, and, and when, you're, when you're on the private side praying in tongues, how many of you know there doesn't always have to be an interpretation? But let me finish. I think, my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, pri- uh, privately, he said, I'm, I'm speaking in tongues a lot. But he said, in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my what? With my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. What is he saying? He's saying that I'm praying in tongues a lot when I'm in private. But in the church, he said, I'd rather just, just you know, five words with understanding that I may teach people than 10,000 words in a tongue, you see. You understand that? And that's one reason I, I, I'm not up here speaking in tongues all the time because I pray in tongues in private. Come up here, we just give a message out now and then as the Spirit of God leads and directs. You okay? Now look at 1 Corinthians 14. Go, go back up to verse 13. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may what? So when you're praying in tongues in private, you don't have to have an, interpreta- you don't have to have an interpretation all the, all the time. See, this is one reason that people don't have more power. Christians, now I'm talking Christians. I'm talking even spirit. See, there's Christians, you're born again, you're born of the spirit, but you need to be baptized with the spirit. You need to be speaking in tongues. This is one reason that, see, if you're born of the spirit, you've never been baptized in the spirit, you're missing out on a wonderful blessing. And if you've been baptized with the Holy Ghost, and you, you know, I've studied this out. If you're not praying in the spirit regularly, it's like a battery in a car. The Greek text bears it out battery in a car eventually that battery will run have you ever had a dead battery you turn the key and go rawr, rawr, rawr. you know how come there's so many rawr, rawr, christians with almost dead batteries it's because we're not praying in tongues as much as we should can you say amen but but when you're praying in private just privately just to yourself just to, to, to the lord there doesn't need to be an interpretation on all that most of it won't be interpreted but let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret so you see, in my life, I just tell you my experience, there's been a few occasions over the years where I've been speaking in tongues, praying in tongues in, 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 in private. And then all of a sudden, there'd just be a knowing on the inside. I need, I need to interpret that. I need to interpret. I'll give you one example. I remember before I went to Bible school, I had signed my contract to teach another year at a certain school district. And I didn't have peace with going. I, needed, I knew I needed to go to Bible school, but not that year. I needed to wait a year. But there were some people that were pressuring me and putting pressure on me. You need to go this year. You need to go this year. You need to go this year. How many of you know we ought to put pressure on folks? Is that right? And there's some well-meaning people. They pressure, 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 pressure. And I found out later their motives weren't altogether pure, but be that as it may. Pressure, pressure, pressure. 
And so I, I finally decided to honor my contract. I signed my contract. I'm going to teach another year here in St. Louis, and then I'll go to Bible school next year. And these people came to me and said, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. And what was even more bizarre, I went down to Tulsa from St. Louis, went to Tulsa, walked into Tulsa Junior College without a master's degree, and they hired me on the spot to teach in Tulsa Junior College. That's bizarre. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm never going to get that opportunity again. I'm never going to get that job again. I'm never going to get that offer again. My goodness. What am I going to do here? I, I mean, and so I was up at Crestwood Mall. Now, they've bulldozed it since, but how many remembers Crestwood Mall? And I was walking through Crestwood Mall, and I was praying in the Spirit. I was so discouraged. I was so down. These people telling me that I'm missing God, and, and now I've got that job down there, and, and now I, that guy's never going to hire me again next year. My goodness gracious, I, now I'm going to have to be working at McDonald's instead of teaching math. What in the world am I going to do? And I came out of the mall. I got in my Dodson hatchback G30, G10, whatever that was, and I'm driving out of there, coming up Watson Road praying in the spirit and all of a sudden it's like the Holy Ghost took me on another level and I gave out a message in tongues right there in the car just me and God and I, and I said Lord let me interpret that pray that he may interpret and I began to interpret so there the year will come and go you'll be right back in this same position next year this time only it'll be better that's all he said that was the interpretation well the year came and went and guess what next year I got married and took Diane with me. How many of you know that's better? What about that job down there? I walked into Tulsa Junior College that next year, walked in, expecting to see that same guy who hired me the year before that probably wasn't going to hire me again. I walk in, and they'd replaced him. He left. Took a, he got a better job somewhere else. And the guy standing there hired me right on the spot. Isn't Jesus wonderful? See, the Spirit of God, see, that was a lance. I took that lance out, that lance of praying in the Spirit, you see. Do you understand that? And then look at verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, now look at this, verse 14. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my what? My understanding is unfruitful. See, when you're praying in tongues, you're not going to understand most of what you're saying. But God understands it. You're speaking mysteries. He says, what is the conclusion? Then I'll pray with the Spirit, that's in other tongues, and I'll pray with the understanding i'll sing with the spirit can you sing in tongues oh yeah i do that once in a while i usually do it in private so that i only bless myself and nobody else my singing's not that good i'll sing with the understanding okay did that help you at all is there a public side to tongues is there a private side is everybody used on the public side no should everybody be praying in tongues privately Oh, yeah. And look at Romans 8.26, and then we're done. Romans 8.26. Yeah, I've got to throw this in. This is, this is the last one. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. Have you ever been weak in prayer and you didn't know which way to go? Or how? He says, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Have you ever been in those shoes besides me? But the Spirit himself makes what? Intercession for us with, with groanings, for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Greek says... It cannot be given in, in, in articulate speech. This is talking about praying in tongues. So when you don't know how to pray for something as you ought, what can you do? Rely on the Holy Ghost to pray, pray through you. Is that right? And then notice verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the what? To the will of God. What a, what a mighty lance praying in the Spirit is. What a mighty lance it is. Take advantage of that lance. Can you say amen? 
Stand with me if you would. Bow your heads, please. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 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 We bless you. We praise you. We magnify you. We glorify you. We give you honor. We give you praise. We give you blessing. We thank you for the great armory of God that you've allotted to us. And we're so thankful that you've given us this armory. The second, the moment, the instant we made Jesus the Lord of our lives and we got born again, that armory was hung in our closet, so to speak. We're just so grateful.